we hire for character and then we train for skill. And that's all part of the whole servant leadership model. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. This show is being brought to you by our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Today, we're going to have a conversation with a manufacturing leader about a concept called servant leadership. Let me kick this off by reading you a definition of the subject from the Center for Servant Leadership. A servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. While traditional leadership generally involves the accumulation and exercise of power by one at the top of the pyramid, servant leadership is different. The servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. My guest today is somebody who has embraced and embodied the characteristics of a servant leader as the owner of a manufacturing company. So let me take a moment to introduce Dan Urshan. Dan is the owner of Wisconsin Metal Parts, a contract manufacturer of metal parts and assemblies. Early in his career, Dan worked at a number of small to mid-sized manufacturing companies as a tool and die maker before founding Die Concepts, Inc. in 1998, which eventually became Wisconsin Metal Parts. Dan has co-founded two other companies along the way, Die Makers Manufacturing, Inc. and Lean Manufacturing Products, Inc., As you'll learn in our conversation, Dan has battled MS throughout his adult life, a journey that has shaped his outlook both as a business owner and a person in general. But shortly, I'll let Dan tell that story himself. Dan resides in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee with his wife, Bonnie. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. I'm a big fan of yours. (laughs) Certainly Certainly never expected to be chose to be on a podcast with you. But uh, I'm honored, and thanks for having me. But here you are, right? You never know where <laughs> what adventures life leads you on. So, no. <laughs> hey, I never thought I'd be hosting a podcast. So, <laughs> but here well, I there am. Must, so. <laughs> there must be a reason for it, right? I guess so, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into the meat of it, Dan, can you tell us just a little bit about your personal and professional journeys up to this point? And in particular, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your battle with MS and how that's shaped who you are today. Sure. So I'm a pretty simple person. Grew up in a small town, went to a small high school, <laughs> went to tech, tech school instead of college. So, But then after working at several job shops as a tool and die maker, my wife and I had our first child, Samantha, and then we decided that one of us is going to stay home and raise the child or you know be with the child. So we kind of talked about it, and I guess I won, I won that one. And uh, I got to stay home with Samantha for the first year and a half that she was born in. And then I started Die Concepts out of the basement while I was while I was staying home with Samantha, and and basically I just designed progressive dies and design dies out of the basement, and then we kind of grew the business and and moved out of the house, and Bonnie stayed home, and then in 1988 we renamed it to Wisconsin Metal Parts to represent more so what we grew into, and we now have about a hundred people 
doing tool and die making, metal stampings, uh, wire EDM, CNC machining, and sheet metal fabrication, which includes laser cutting and punching, bending, welding, secondary operations, and assembly. So, so it's, it's grown quite a bit in the, you know, in the last 32, 33 years. So. so I started that when I was 28 years old. I'm 59 now. And I had my first MS attack when I was 29. So that kind of came on as a surprise. And my legs kind of fell asleep. And next thing you know, I was in the hospital. And the employee was bringing work into the hospital for us to quote and, and do from there. So, But I got... I got somewhat better for, you know, after three months of physical therapy and occupational therapy. And, and then 10 years later, I ended up having uh, another MS attack. And that one, you know, kind of left me not walking for, not walking unassisted anyway, um, for about a year and a half. So there were some pretty big challenges there. I started exercising and then I've really been, you know, blessed that I regained my mobility to the level of being able to, you know, run marathons and then do Ironman distance triathlons, which, do you know what an Ironman distance triathlon is? You know, I, I don't know the specifics of it, but I've, uh, you know, I've, I've known people who have done Ironmans and it's uh, far beyond my, my typical three mile run that I do a few days a week. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I got to say it just because it's fun to say. So, so it's a 2.4 yeah. mile, 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112-mile bike ride, and then followed by a full 26.2-mile marathon after that in the, wow. same, in the same day. So, <laughs> and I was able to finish three of the four of those attempts, again, after not being able to walk for a year and a half and stuff. So That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And we also, you know, hike the Grand Canyon, and I still do several 100-plus-mile bike rides every year as well, so... No kidding. That, that's a just amazing. So I, some of the listeners may know, uh, and, and he's very vocal about it, but my business partner, John, who, John Franco, who, who introduced the two of us, Dan, you know, he's, he's been living with MS for a few years now. And, and it's been just really inspiring to watch, you know, John just take this thing by the horns and, and use it as a, a way, you know, not just to, to deal with it or, or to pout about it or things like that, but to use it as a motivator to, to you know, just get his be at the top of his health. I mean, he's, in, he's running marathons himself. He's biking, I mean, just ridiculous amounts and raising a ton of money for the MS Society in the process and just inspiring so many people. And it's just amazing to watch guys like you and John take, you know, a challenge that life's thrown at you, which is a pretty, pretty significant challenge as, as you've, you know, as you've said here, and then, you know, turn it into a, a positive in so many ways at a personal level and in terms of how you impact others and it's also just very impressive to see, you know, somebody who, who's had to deal with these things run, you know, not only one, but three successful businesses as you have. So I need to applaud you for what you've accomplished in your career, despite what life has thrown your way. It's, it's really admirable. Yeah. Well, you know, again, living with MS really has helped make me who I am. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't get a chance to give up. You know, you really got to go, go, go. And, and when you find something that's working, then you actually just keep doing more of it. But which kind of, you know, like John, you know, like myself, I mean, we are trying to set an example of what life can be like with MS instead of, you know, this doom and gloom picture that, you know, MS has actually been for so many people for so many years and, 
so so realistically, you know, from what I've done, I also wanted to share my journey with others who have MS. So seven years ago, I started inviting people with MS to Wisconsin Metal Parts to exercise and then just share what I've learned about living with MS. And they come every Wednesday and Friday morning. Well, the COVID thing now has got to put, you know, we got, we got to be careful there. So we've been doing more outside stuff than inside stuff. So, but I've invited them, you know, to Wisconsin Metal Parts twice a week, every Wednesday, every Friday morning for two hours. And we, we've got a group of probably, I don't know, 20 to 40 people that come pretty consistently, pretty regularly with MS. And we've seen life-changing improvements of some of the people. I mean, one of them, you know, hadn't walked for 20, hadn't walked unassisted for 27 years. And uh, her daughter brought her, and that was the first time her daughter had ever seen her mom walk. So, so wow. yeah, so there's, That's incredible. there's been some pretty amazing things. And I mean, just person after person after person who never thought they'd ride a bike again or riding bike. And, and we get creative on how, to, you know, how to get people to ride bike. We try to do it safely, but we'll put them on trikes and, and things like that so that they, you know, they can still do it. So. But MS is an entirely different subject, and I could go I could go off on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing your story and, and being transparent about that. I think it's really important for people to hear the hear you know what has shaped the person behind you know the the business person that you've become. And so yeah. it was a great lead in. But let's let's talk about this this topic, servant leadership. Yeah, and I'm and I'm, I'm happy to talk with people about MS if they want yeah. to contact me directly. So yeah, okay, great. Love to share anything okay. I can. We'll have you at the end of the episode here. We'll have you kind of, you know, tell people how to how to get in touch, and we'll list that all of that in the show notes as well. Appreciate you offering that out to to listeners. So, sure. well, okay. So, servant leadership. This is you know a concept I, I introduced it in in the uh, introduction, and it's you know something that I know you've embraced. You know, my business partner John. It's it's something that he's really you know hung his hat on as well. And so I thought it would make a really great episode here. So can you start by just sort of talking about the benefits of servant leadership in manufacturing and why you've embraced the servant leadership model at Wisconsin Metal Parts? Yeah, well, I mean, servant leadership certainly has a place in manufacturing. You know, again, it maybe not be the most common leadership style in manufacturing, but it certainly has a place in manufacturing. And, and personally, I'm not sure how we would have done it with anything but servant leadership. Mostly because, you know, that's who I am. You know, I've pretty much been raised, you know, trying to help other people. And, you know, it's a philosophy that I believe in. And it's something that was, you know, fairly easy for me to, you know, to to bring to the the company because it's kind of just what we do. So, but it really, you know, it really helps us attract and retain awesome people throughout the entire company. You know, and, and in manufacturing, you know, again, we try to attract people you know, to it, but it's such a highly skilled, our, our business is such a highly skilled business that, you know, it's really sometimes we don't, you know, get a chance to talk to those people. And, but with the servant leadership, at least we have a really good opportunity to attract them. And then once we get them there to really re- retain them and we like to, you know, take care of our people at a level that they want to stay there and at a level that they want to recommend us to a friend or a family member or something like that as well. But when we hire, we hire for character and then we train for skill. And that's all part of the whole servant leadership model as well as, you know, you hire for character for who the person is and then you train them for skill. And we try to train them 
you know, to the spot that they want to be, not necessarily where we need them. Obviously, there has to be a fit, but if we can get them where they want to be, then they, they end up really liking it there and they perform well. So it also, you know, builds a culture of, you know, customer, the customer base and the people is a culture of loyalty. So the, the loyalty, you know, kind of comes right along with it, which is a little bit uncommon again in you know, in business today because it's kind of a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. And uh, I think, you know, with the servant leadership as our, you know, core of our business, basically, customers choose us for the experience that they get by work, working with us. And then and all of our people, you know, can relate to the servant leadership model. And regardless of their education, regardless of their experience level, regardless of their race or religion, they can all basically relate to the servant leadership model. And so, I mean, that's, you know, a big benefit of it as well. But And people really get to grow on a personal basis because we're here to help you. We're here to develop you. We're here serving you, you know, instead of, uh, you know, just trying to fill a spot. And from a financial perspective, it helps us remain profitable and secure, which is important to all of us in manufacturing. So it's kind of, you know, there's some big benefits there. Yeah, some serious benefits for sure when you can, you know, when you can put these principles into play and, and really start doing it well. Can you step back a little bit and tell me what servant leadership is to you and your people at Wisconsin Metal Parts? Yeah, I mean, putting it as simply as I can, it's basically honoring the golden rule. Just do unto others as you want others to do unto you. But actually live it. You know, actually put others first. Don't worry about yourself. You know, you're going to be okay as you as you bring servant leadership into your place but really put others first and do everything you can to make their job easy you know and help them get in that spot that they want to be you know not necessarily where you know it might be totally different from what you hired them for and that's okay but when you morph them into the spot that they really want to be that's when they're going to do the best that's where they're going to be excited about coming to work that's where you're going to get the most productivity out of them you know, and uh, and again, it might not be where you hired them, <laughs> hired them for, but then, but then once they get in that spot where they want to be, just help them be an expert in that spot. And we want experts throughout the entire company. You know, we don't we don't really want link weak links in the company. We want experts in all spots, and all spots are important. They're all critical to our business. I mean, we so we just can't have weak links. So. So again, when you take that philosophy and you try to, you know, to me that servant leadership is trying to help these people get to where they want to go. And if you take a look at our up at our organizational chart, well, look at a traditional organizational chart, and you know, you always got the leader at the top, and then it kind of funnels down, and then, you know, even from people mentally coming to work, they come to work to keep their bosses happy. You know, it's like, well, the servant leadership's the other side, the other way around. It's, it's an upside down pyramid. The customers are actually on the top of the pyramid. And then the people who do the work for the customers, they're right there on that next line supporting the customers. And they're the ones that are going to do the jobs right or and doing them on time, you know, or they're not. So they're really the ones supporting the customers. The leaders then basically are below the people and they're there to support the people. They're there to say, how can I make that person's, you know, job easier? How can I, you know, help this person develop into what they want to be and uh so and again we're trying to you know serve them at at a level that they'd highly recommend us to a friend both the customers and the people and again that's kind of servant leadership to me at work sure 
What are, Dan, what are some ways, some tangible ways you've been able to infuse these principles of servant leadership into the way your business operates at Wisconsin Metal Parts? Well, and again, we're trying to really, you know, bridge this skills gap that's in the industry, you know, especially the highly skilled, the highly skilled people. And we're going to go right back to the, right back to the interview stage when we first start, you know, bringing people on and they're going to experience the servant leadership model right in the interview and again, once we get good people, you know, in an interview, we really want to bring them along and, and, and listen to them. I mean, just really try to get to know them. And eventually, as we get to know them, we're going to ask them, have you ever heard of servant leadership? And, you know, what does that mean to you? And a lot of times what we're going to get is like a blank face. It's like, huh? <laughs> you know, so... So, so those people we can kind of, you know, under, you know, we can kind of see that they may have worked someplace else where it wasn't a servant leadership model. If they worked at a servant leadership model, what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to light right up. You know, they're going to they're going to know what servant leadership is, and then they they want it. You know, they they see it, they they hear about it, they want it, and they want to be part of it. And, and typically, those are natural servants themselves, you know, and they really appreciate the way we're treating people and the way that's the way they want to be treated. So it goes right back to that golden rule again. The people that don't believe you, you know, again, they might need a little more time to build trust. You know, maybe they weren't, they weren't treated the way we treat people and they don't believe you in the first place. They just think it's more of a sales per, you know, pitch of you trying to get them to, you know, to come and work here. And then they, you know, they probably came from a different leadership style. So depending upon their character, they're either going to come around and engage or they probably just don't belong here. You know, if they, if they don't engage, you know, in it, it's probably, you know, not a good fit for them. Sure. What about performance reviews? Does servant leadership play a role there in performance reviews as well? It does. You know, for us, you know, well, first of all, let's go back to manufacturing because I really want this to be about manufacturing so manufacturers can relate, relate to it. Yeah. And, and in manufacturing from people that we interview and we talk to them and say, you know, what was your performance reviews like and things like that? We find out that they really, they don't exist or there's some sort of a canned report that doesn't add a whole lot of personal value or the leader just calls them in and says, Hey, you're doing good or you're doing bad. And that's about it. You know, so, so that's kind of what we find out, you know, from our employees that we bring on of what their performance reviews at other places were like. So again, our performance reviews are also centered around the servant leadership model. So first thing we do is, again, we listen to our people and we go back to what do they want to do? You know, how can we help them become an expert at that? You know, how do we help them get there? So we, the whole, the whole performance review is more about listening to them and, you know, asking them what they need in order to be able to get to what, you know, what we want them to do and what, what they want to do. And hopefully that, you know, that's a, a good, one of the challenges for the people in the interviews is, and again, people in manufacturing, they maybe aren't as communicative as people in sales are, you know, so one thing that we ask them to do is to communicate with us and let us know what they want to do and what they, where they want to be. And a lot of times we'll get the feedback from them that, you know, I've never been listened to before. I mean, why does it matter what I want to do? And, to, you know, to me, that's, you know, that's just a sin. You know, so, so we, 
again, we, we really try to listen to our people, try to get them where they want to go, try to get them, the, you know, the support that they need to be, whether it's training or technology or work, you know, work towards that. So That's great. We're going to take a 30-second breather here for a word from our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions. Let's talk real quick about getting specified. Are you a component manufacturer? Maybe you sell architectural products to parks or large facilities. Engineers and architects need models of your products to test fit in their designs. That's where Cadenas comes in. They help you create a dynamic, shareable CAD catalog you put on your website. Designers can preview the product from any angle and download it in the format they prefer. They get the data they need for their design and you get a fresh lead to add to your marketing pipeline. To get one of your products turned into an online 3D model for free, use the code EXECUTIVE at partsolutions.com slash executive. What about it was sort of, you know, just on a daily basis? Is there anything just in the, the day-to-day that you, you and your leaders try to do to embrace servant leadership? Yeah, and again, on our theme, our, you know, our leader's job is basically how can we make our jobs easier for the people? You know, what processes can we improve? What technology can we improve? You know, what what training can we provide? And, you know, what support can we give them? And, you know, all of this is, you know, looking at what, what do we need to do for our customers. But, again, you know, the people are going to do what we, need, what, what we need to do for the customers. We need to make it easy for the people to be able to do that for the customers. So, so that's really on a daily basis is kind of what our theme is, is, you know, is how do we get better? You know, how do we, you know, how do we get better as a company and how do we get better as, a, you know, as helping our people be able to do that. So, and then there's daily challenges that come up as well. And we really engage our people in the daily challenges and we solicit ideas from them daily. And realistically, they are the experts. They have the best, you know, the best solutions to the challenges that we have. And so again, we, we listen to them and then we, we roll those ideas into our continuous improvement program, which is a documented you know program and then we'll document that and basically prioritize it and then and then implement it as it you know as it makes sense but i mean a lot of times you know companies anyway they have hard time getting people to engage in a continuous improvement program but when you do it through a server leadership model and that we know they know that we're here to help them make their job easier they engage you know they engage pretty pretty regularly and pretty rapidly so and, and again We'll even go as far as making it easy for them to share their ideas for improvement. So, you know, if somebody's not real comfortable with writing something up, which a lot of, you know, you know, people aren't real comfortable with that, we'll even write it up for them. We'll be standing there having a conversation for them and say, I'll write that up for you. And the next thing you know, you know, they've got an idea that was submitted for them. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's really about developing them. It's not about, you know, about me or about, you know, the leaders understand that it's not about us. It's about you know, serving the people. So, yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned to me prior to this conversation that the servant leadership philosophy may have been somewhat natural for you to adapt because of who you are and the challenges you've uh, come to face in life. What were some of the biggest challenges that you found in creating this as part of your culture at Wisconsin Metal Parts? It's the power leaders. You know, it's by far the power leaders. <laughs> and sometimes the young, the young people, be, you know, want to try to become a power leader. 
So you're trying to develop, you know, take somebody from a technical position and you're trying to develop them into a leadership position and, and then all of a sudden they think that they've got this power and they end up, you know, it's the my way or the highway leaders that really struggle with this concept at first. You know, number one, it's just not natural to them. You know, they feel that since they're a leader, people need to listen to them and do as they're told, which is totally opposite of what the servant leadership model is. So, and again, we as leaders, we need to listen to our people and again, meet them where they're at and truly understand their perspective and then support them in a way that makes sense for the common goal. And, you know, and again, many of the power leaders, they come around eventually and they become great servant leaders. They've got the energy, they've got the knowledge, they've got what it takes to do it. It's a matter of moving them into the servant leadership model instead of the power leadership model. And then they can, they, they can see, the, they see the light then. And when we get to that point where the power leaders become servant leaders, that's a great day. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's, that's a big win. So, yeah, I imagine that's a really rewarding thing to see when you see that transformation start to happen, huh? It is, yeah. Another big challenge is just leading, you know, teaching leadership, period. I mean, technical skills and leadership skills are totally different skills. And teaching leadership to a technical person, so let's just say you have a really good toolmaker out there, and the toolmaker, you know, you really like to have some apprentices learn from him and, you know, you know, have some other people learn from him. Well, that might be really uncomfortable for that high, highly technical toolmaker because he's such a deep, deep thinker and problem solver, and it's just hard for them to get out of that, that spot. But uh, what, really, what people don't realize is that anytime two or more people are working together, there's an opportunity for leadership. And, you know, some people don't realize that you don't need to have a title for a leader to be a leader. You know, and so teaching the technical part of it is a challenge also. But the servant leadership model really gives us a great format for that. And, you know, we we get a lot of success out of bringing that, the technical skills to the next generation with this servant leadership model and part of doing business. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Well, teaching people how to fish, in this case, is servant leadership. That's great. I love that. What effect do you see these servant leadership values having on the way your team interacts with each other, the way they interact with customers or vendors? People can sense that we're genuinely out for their best interests. And they trust us rather quickly, you know, both internally and externally. Once they figure out and see that this is actually what we're doing, we build trust pretty quickly. You know, and that's a, you know, I think that is part of the culture just rolling into, you know, who we are and, and, and what we do. And with, with certain leadership model in place, when we bring somebody on, I'm confident that they're going to be treated with respect as we, you know, as they as we bring them into the, you know, into the company. So, and, I, and I'm confident that we're going to bring out the best of them. And then when we build that culture internal of our place, that pretty much flows directly to the customer experience that they receive as, and, and it's natural and it's genuine. And, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not just fake or trained. So that, you know, again, that experience flows right to our customers and our customers sense and appreciate that. But again, to me, the servant leadership philosophy is one that's timeless. 
it sets us up for leadership into the next generation. And as far as that, you know, as that next generation goes, the following generation, you know, it can, you know, work right into that as well. And then and I think really think manufacturing businesses in the United States really need to focus and set the next generation up for success. And for us at Wisconsin Metal Parts, that's a really high priority. We want the next generation to be stronger than the first generation. I think we're well on our, well on our way to do that. It's great philosophy. What do you think's been some of the most rewarding outcomes that you've experienced with a culture of servant leadership? It's when this hard-nosed, stubborn, my way or the highway employee engages in it and uh, comes up to me afterwards and tells me how much this leadership, you know, style and this leader, you know, training has helped him at home with his wife and his kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, when when it hits at the family level like that, you know, now we're talking about you know, actually making a, a bit of a difference in the world. And, you know, that that part, I think, is the, one of the most rewarding thing to me. You know, these stubborn people, they're, they're pretty reluctant to change anyway. And when they actually engage in it and they actually see the value in it and they, they thank you for, you know, for uh, running the business this way, you know, like I say, that's rewarding. I had a wife come up to me one time and her husband was working with us and, and she says that once you know, once he got engaged in the servant leadership, the entire dynamics of our f- entire family changed. And you know, to me, that's you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, that's really powerful when you can. It extends beyond just their their business life, but you see it being reflected in their life at home. And and she told me this probably. 14, 15 years after he was working there and after we he had engaged in it. <laughs> you know, wow. so, so again, it made a big impact over a, you know, a long period of time. So I get a lot of, yeah, I get a lot of people that, you know, thank me for, you know, living this way and, you know, teaching this servant leadership model. And, and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's one of the reasons we don't have much turnover. You know, it's, it just makes people better people at home and at work. That's great. Well, Dan, what advice do you have for leaders of other manufacturing organizations about how to start shifting culture through applying these servant leadership principles? Can I back up one more to the sure. back sure. back to the benefits? So yeah, from a financially financially the benefits of the servant leadership is it reduces costs throughout the entire company. Mm. And it reduces re- recruiting costs, it re- reduces training costs. Employee engagement is higher, so again, we don't have that turnover. The employee loyalty, and and when people quit a job, they technically don't want to quit the company. They don't want to leave the company. They leave their boss or their coworker that don't belong, doesn't deserve to belong there anyway. You know, and and that part of it, I think, is really part of what servant leadership you know brings to the to the companies on a financial basis. Also, is that. You know, you just got that loyalty and you got, you know, that consistency. And that boils right down to the customers. So the customers, you know, they know they're going to be working with the same people all the time. So year after year after year after year, that, you know, that builds loyalty, you know, as well. And then I think, you know, we win orders that we would have never won otherwise. I mean, if you're out there just in a, in a bidding war, you know, we may not be the, the lowest cost person you know, from a spreadsheet perspective, but when they know what they're going to get and they know what we're going to deliver and when they know that if you're going to deliver on time, they know the delivers are going to be, the parts are going to be right. They're going to find a way to work with us. 
you know, and, and that part of it, I think, is a real differentiator for us in the industry. And it's also a really competitive advantage, both internally with people and externally with, you know, with the customers. So, so again, certain leadership from a financial perspective has got a lot that it brings to the table as well. That's great. Thanks for adding that. Mm-hmm. So where do you start? Where do you start if you're another manufacturing leader that's listening to this right now? You know, are there, are there resources you'd point people to? How, how can they start putting some of these principles into play? Well, I think people have to at least believe in the philosophy. You know, if they don't believe in the philosophy and they think it's all, you know, whatever, they got to believe in it. So, and, and they got to study it. So they got to kind of take a look at, you know, how am I going to get there? So I think once you start believing in the philosophy and you figure out, can this work for us or can it work for us? And you really believe it, you know, then you start leading by example and you, you put, you know, start putting people first and, you know, just going out there to see how you can, you know, how you can serve them. And, and again, put your, you know, your wants and needs a little bit besides and say, what can I do for you? You know, type of thing. And then, and then, don't necessarily tell your people how to serve, but show them. You know, as Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And I and I think you know that part of it is again, you got to start with believing it first and look in the mirror a little bit and say, can I get there? And then read James C. Hunter's book, The Servant, and go through his audio seminar on servant leadership. So he's got a book and he's got a servant leadership seminar out there. And uh, what worked well for us is we made notes on the seminar and then we shared them to be able to share with our people. And then we went through that seminar together. So we had like five to seven people at a time. And we it was an audio, so we basically just put the CD in and we turned the audio on. And we go through it for about an hour at a time. It's about a six-hour program. And we stop and talk often during that program and just discuss, you know, how these principles covered will work in our organization. And that, I think, was just a really effective way to get started, you know, for us to really bring some organization to the servant leadership model, even though we were kind of scattered doing it a little bit here and a little bit there just because that's who we are. But James C. Hunter really did a nice job of kind of bringing it on an organized way and then and then putting a seminar together to be able to teach it. And uh, I got to say that it's by far the best 30 bucks I ever spent in, in, <laughs> in business. And I've, and I've given, I don't know, probably hundreds of these books and CDs away to people too. And I don't know. Well, one of them wound up inside our office, I know, because my, my business partner, John, I think he, he either heard of it from you or got a copy from you or something of James C. Hunter's book, The Servant, which I, I also read and, and really loved a lot of the principles that were laid out there. So we'll, we'll make sure to link to his program that you mentioned, the sort of six-hour program, as well as the book. So anybody listening can go check that out. And it, I, it sounds like you'd highly encourage that, huh, Dan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great starting point. And then, uh, that's great. Yeah, in his seminar, he actually has some skills inventory, so you can actually, you know, kind of take a look at his questions that he asks about you as a leader, and then be honest with yourself. You know, where are you now? And then maybe work on some of the things that you know that make sense to you as you're going through that the skills inventory assessment, and then take it again. You know, so, so again, it's really going to start from within and then, you know, from there, you're going to start serving your people at a different level, I think, but, and then solicit feedback from others as well. I mean, ask, ask some of the people that you're leading 
actually just have them go through the skills inventory process that James C. Hunter has and say, what do you think about this for me, you know, as a leader? And even if I don't want to hear it, what does, you know, what does it sound like? So, yeah. but, uh, but hey, yeah, if you do you know, get started that way, you know, you're going to be well on your way to creating a culture of servant leadership. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely worth going that route if you can, if you can bring yourself to serving other people. Well, Dan, fantastic conversation today. Really appreciate your willingness to share your story and your experiences and how you've applied all these servant leadership principles throughout your own business. I think it's something that's going to give people a different perspective, maybe than what they're used to hearing or maybe how their companies have been you know, operating traditionally. And, and that's what I love to do is, is just bring different perspectives to the table here and make people think. So can you go ahead? Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I'm happy to, happy to do it. And I'm, I hope it's beneficial to someone in some way. Oh, I think it will be for sure. Can you, can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about Wisconsin Metal Parts? Yeah, you can go to our website, wisconsinmetalparts.com, and you can contact me through any of the request information options. I, I get the information from all of them. Or you can email me directly at dan.urshen, and it's E-R-S-C-H-E-N, and then the at symbol, wisconsinmetalparts.com. Beautiful. Well, before we wrap it up, I want to say thank you once again to our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions, for helping make this episode a reality. And Dan, thanks a ton for being a guest on the show. You're welcome, Joe. You know, the thanks really goes back to you. You know, you know, thank you for all you're doing for all of us in manufacturing. You know, again, you're providing great content that, you know, that we wouldn't be getting otherwise. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's, it's great to get some validation that somebody's out there listening and putting this, this stuff into practice, right? <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Well, as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.